you know, take the time to, to uh, sort of try to structure things correctly <laughs> um, from a sort of legal, financial, you know, tax standpoint. Um, you want to get your business set up correctly, intellectual property. Um, I, think, I think it's very important to get the right counseling and to get the right structure in place um, beneath you to have sort of the, the foundation to go forward. Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's grown several startups into seven and eight figure businesses, as well as the founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where he helps startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. If you ever need help with yours, just go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat. Now, today we have another great guest on the podcast, Nick Zotos. And uh, Nick is a bit of a kindred spirit in the sense that he, he identifies as a reforming attorney. So at least we have a, a overlap of being an attorney. I haven't reformed yet. I'm still maybe in the process of reforming, um, but uh, it's the beginning of his journey. So always wanted to be an entrepreneur and uh, grew up in a, uh, or grew up, uh, was the first generation of his family to go to college. Um, and during that period, he switched to, or switched between a couple of majors. Um, and then also went to law school and also or, and went into business law, I believe, uh, because he didn't want to be a litigator. And I'm right there with him. I wouldn't want to be a litigator either. Um, and practiced uh, law for about 15 years, primarily in tax law. Worked for a few different uh, law firms during that period of time. I worked with managing uh, wealth for a lot of wealthy individuals. And was always also always interested in real estate, um, partially because a lot of his clients had real estate holdings. Then he moved to North Carolina, he started to, or decided to start a real estate investing firm, which is what he's doing now. So with that much as an introduction, welcome on the podcast, Nick. Thank you, Devin. Thanks for having me. That was a pretty, pretty comprehensive uh, introduction there. I'm not sure there's much left for me to cover. I think you, you got it all. All right. Well, I'm glad that I could take everybody's lives and condense it into 30 seconds. So that's the, the totality of their life. You but, did. Uh, you did. You, you sound bit me. <laughs> I sound like that. That's right. Um, so why don't we now unpack that journey just a bit. So let's go back a, a bit in time and uh, kind of growing up um, in uh, or growing up wanting to be an entrepreneur and how your uh, journey got started there. Yeah, no, I, I think growing up, um, you know, I didn't even know that being an entrepreneur was an option. <laughs> I think that, uh, you know, I sort of came from a working class background. And, um, you know, I think the, uh, the conventional wisdom was, you know, you, you just go to school and get a good job and, you know, live happily ever after. Mm. Um, so, you know, that was sort of my orientation growing up. And, um, you know, I think it took me a while to really sort of find my sea legs in, in sort of the entrepreneurship uh, sea, if you will. Um, so, you know, I, I went, went to college and, you um, you know, kind of knew what I didn't want to do. Um, so I floundered around a little bit in college. I was one of those, one of those folks that sort of changed my major four or five times. You know, I ended up being, being a super senior, you know, double majoring. I kind of wanted to try everything um, except grow up and get a real job. Um, so, so that was kind of my college experience. And, um, you know, I kind of... Oh, just out of curiosity, what, what did you major in or double major in when you finally did graduate? Uh, economics and sociology. So uh, the social sciences always kind of appealed to me. So I think that that sort of uh, is a good uh, foundation for going into the legal practice. Hmm. As good as any. <laughs> Why not? I think it's a, a great background. So now you're saying, okay, coming out of, you know, doing the 
undergraduate kind of figuring out what you wanted to do to switch between a few different majors and, and finally landed on those and you're saying now when you're coming out of there where you're saying hey I know that I want to be in a you know an attorney I want to go to law school and I want to go down that path or did that come later or kind of what made you to decide to go down the, the law school route? Yeah it was kind of more of the well I know what I don't want to do so why don't I try this because I think I can do it. Um, you know, I it also, again, I, I didn't really think of that as an option, I think, until really like, you know, towards the end of my college career. And I had a friend who one day was just saying, ah, you know, I'm, I'm studying for the LSAT. And I was like, what's that? And he's like, oh, that's the test you need to get into law school. And I was like, oh, law school. Ah, that sounds interesting. Um, yeah, why don't I take that? Why don't, why don't, why don't I, why don't I, you know? Uh, it was just kind of on a win, you know. Um, I mean, but once I decided on it, I mean, I, I'm I'm the type of person that is like I'm I'm a, I'm 110 ahead. So I'm like I'm gonna do that, and then I'm like and then I'm like a freight train, you know. I just like that. That's all I do. I get tunnel vision. Um, so I just I just decided, and I was like, that's what I'm gonna do. Um, I think uh, you know it was around 2002 or so. Um, so we were at or or sort of in the middle of of the dot com bubble. Um, for those who are sort of from that generation, they remember um, where there was a, you know, the internet uh, became a commodity uh, in the financial markets. And then, you know, overnight, it sort of um, became not a commodity. <laughs> a lot of the bubble popped. Um, and a lot of these startups uh, failed. And then along with that, you know, there was these accounting scandals. Um, so it was a very kind of turbulent time in the economy and the job market. And, um, you know, around that time, 2002, 2003, it was really not a good time to be graduating. I mean, the 90s were a booming economy, um, you know, so it was just, you know, all you have to do is go to college and you're guaranteed a job. And then I went from that until, you know, hey, nobody's hiring, um, you know, because we're in the first recession, you know, in the past 12 years or whatever. So, um, you know, so a lot of people went back to school and I, I went to law school. Uh, no, and I think that makes sense. And I, I came a little bit. I was right after you'd had the um, housing crash, and that didn't quite hit me. But a lot of the, a few of the uh, years before me with lawyers that were graduating, kind of had that same thing of they're coming out of law school right as or after the housing crash and trying to find jobs, and they were more scarce, and they were trying to figure out do I try to do more schooling or what do I do? And luckily by the time I graduated, it subsided a lot and it, it made it a much easier thing, but, you know, kind of that similar to the, the dot-com boom and people going back to school. A lot of the people that I was in school with were of that, uh, you know, that uh, took that same approach. So now you're coming out of law school and say, okay, I'm going to be an attorney. I'm all in going to go and, and do law school. And you came out and, you know, it, I think when we chatted a bit before, you didn't want to be a litigator or that wasn't of interest. And I don't want to be a litigator. We do. We have other litigators here in the office, but I am. It's just not the lifestyle of what I want to do. And so yeah, I, I definitely get you just that. kind of know, know what your personality and your, your acclimated to do. I mean, I, you know, I, I was, uh, you know, I really enjoyed economics and statistics. Um, and I had a, uh, a professor in law school who really sort of steered me towards tax law. Um, and I took all the tax courses that my law school offered um, and, um, you know, decided to end up doing a master of laws in taxation out in, in New York at NYU. Um, and, she, you know, uh, a professor kind of steered me towards that and said, you know, look, if, if this is something that you want to focus in, you know, this is, um, you know, an, a, a, a valuable thing to sort of, uh, you know, develop an expertise and, um, you know, re really hone in on your craft. So that was the route that I went. 
No, no, and that makes sense. And I think it's a good area of law. You know, taxes, as long as the government's around, the, the, there's going to be taxes. And uh, you're saying, hey, I like, you know, statistics, I like economics, I like the, the numbers and those type of things. It can be a, a great fit. And you did that, I think, for a period of 15 years. Is that right? Yeah, so I graduated from law school in 06 and then uh, the uh, LM program in 07. Um, went to go practice with a firm in, in, in New York City, uh, in Midtown Manhattan. Uh, well-established firm. Fortunately, I was able to sort of hit the labor market right before uh, the, the Great Recession and the real estate crash. So I was able to kind of have a year or two under my belt when that happened. Um, and it really, I remember, it re I was in New York at the time in 2009 uh, when Lehman collapsed and um, I was working down the street from Lehman. And um, I remember seeing the people file out of, you know, Lehman Brothers, they went bankrupt. Um, they were the they were the first big huge bank to to go bankrupt, um, and it was a big deal. And I was there, and I I saw it. Um, and um, it was a scary time, you know. Fortunately for me, I mean, I I you know sort of had a couple years under my belt, and I was at a well established firm that had you know a solid base of clients, so I was able to sort of weather that storm in terms of the labor market. But I'm well aware of. A lot of uh, law school graduates from 2009, 2010, 2011, law firms just weren't hiring, period. In New York, there was basically like a, a three to four year hiring freeze where they just stopped hiring associates. Um, so it was a really tough time. And, um, you know, I was fortunate to sort of just be lucky to have uh, landed on my feet, but sort of before all that turbulence there. Um, so I just kind of stayed put, you know, I said, you know, the economy is really rough. I, 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 I'm very fortunate to have sort of a stable uh, role here with, with a stable firm. Um, so I just uh, sort of put my head down and just kept working during that period. And, um, you know, I had to make adjustments as well, um, you know, because a lot of the, the, the corporate deal work just completely stopped. Um, it completely dried up. Um, there were no deals. Banks were not lending. Nobody was doing deals. Um, so I had to, I actually had to visit, uh, uh, you know, reposition my practice a little bit and pivot to, you know, that's the thing that you sort of recognize being, being in practice um, and being an entrepreneur is that you have to pivot, you have to adjust to, you know, whatever the market demands are, um, whatever the client demands are. So I pivoted from focusing on sort of pure corporate um, and transactional tax to doing a lot of estate planning um, because folks were still doing estate planning because there were still folks with estates that uh, needed to do planning. Um, and, and fortunately, I was at a firm where we had that sort of very well-established, well-heeled uh, client base that, that uh, had a demand for that. And my tax background sort of uh, fit into that as well. So uh, that was one, one of probably the many pivots in my career there, um, you know, when I was practicing in New York. Now you're practicing and it definitely makes sense. You make that, you know, that pivot and, you know, it, it, it's one where you, you have to adapt as the, as the, you know, the world that changes around you. And so you get into, you know, a bit more of manage, you know, as you're getting into that kind of managing wealth for wealthy individuals, helping on the tax side and maybe a bit on the state side and whatnot. I think as we talked again before, you'd also er, became interested in real estate. And I think you mentioned at least partially because you saw a lot of your clients had real estate holdings. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. That was very eye-opening for me because, um, you know, I hadn't necessarily been exposed to that before in terms of just the, the private wealth um, and, and frankly, the, the vastness of it. <laughs> I think, uh, you know, in, in New York City, uh, particularly in Manhattan, I mean, we were a Park Avenue law firm um, and a lot of... Park Avenue clients um, and a lot of generational wealth. Um, so that was definitely kind of eye-opening um, to sort of be exposed to that early on in my practice. And um, I learned a ton. 
you know, like I said, um, you know, worked with a lot of very wealthy families. A lot of them had real estate holdings, real estate investments, um, and so forth. So, you know, having my tax background and sort of being exposed to, uh, to that type of clientele, I just sort of, uh, soaked it up like a sponge, you know, um, it was, uh, just, I've always been sort of very, um, very uh, sort of intrigued, if you will, uh, inquisitive about um, how things work. Um, so I just, uh, I just loved uh, sort of getting under the hood, sort of uh, see how the sausage was made, if you will. <laughs> it was really an insider's view, you know, I mean, as their tax attorney, then you, you really sort of almost know more about their financials than they do. Um, certainly the legal side. <laughs> Absolutely. Maybe not as much how they do it, but at least what they're doing and on the legal side. So, no, I think that that definitely provides an, an interesting insight. And, in you know, so now you're saying, OK, I can start to want to know how things work and kind of how the, you know, the sausage is made, so to speak, and start to get into real estate. Now, did you start to invest yourself? Did you start to invest with others? Did you just kind of watch from the sidelines or did you just make the leap and say, okay, I'm going to, you know, leave the legal practice. I'm just going to, you know, one day I woke up, I'm tired of the legal practice. I'm going to start doing real estate investing and going down that route or kind of, how did you make that transition? Yeah, it was definitely a transition. It's been a lengthy process. I think it kind of started with, with sort of the awakening and the education. And then, um, you know, I, I, I mean, being, being an econ major in statistics uh, and, a, and a tax attorney, I mean, I, 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 I in focusing in wealth building, I mean, my whole career was dedicated to, to building wealth and preserving wealth. So, right. So that, that's sort of the orientation of my thinking. So, um, you know, I've always appreciated the, um, you know, investing. I've always had sort of, you know, an investing mindset. You know, it's really a mindset. Um, and um, of sort of leveraging what you have to, to, to trade up for more, if you will, um, and, and sort of um, having a vision of, uh, of, of what you could achieve. So very early in my career, I started, I started saving, you know, as much as I possibly could to, uh, to start investing. Um, I lived well below my means for, for many years, didn't drive a car, didn't take a lot of vacations, you know, I had uh, a lot of student loans, uh, like a lot of law folks who do who graduate from law school. Um, and New York is, is not not uh, a very inexpensive place to live. So I lived uh, very, very below my means for many years in order to sort of save for my first investment. And then I made my first investment um, in Long Island City in Queens. Um, I think it was around 2011, uh, around that time. And, um, you know, again, it was sort of, uh, you know, I, I like to think that uh, I have a knack for, for timing things right. You know, a lot of things in, in investing, um, you know, in life, it's really, it's, it, it's all about timing. Um, so it's sort of seeing what is there and visualizing what could be there. Um, so I, I was looking to make some investments and I just, you know, felt that, um, you know, it's kind of one of the things that I like about real estate is you, you, you just know it when you see it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not I'm not very big on the stock market. That's not my thing. Um, I know a lot of folks who are into that and make a lot of money doing that. But real estate has just always made sense to me. You know, and when people ask me, you know, what's the best thing to invest in? I always tell them whatever makes sense to you, um, because then, then you're you're going to you're going to be invested in it. You're going to understand it. You're going to be comfortable with it. Um, you know, it has to it has to fit your your appetite for risk, uh, you know, it has to, it has to be something that, that, that you understand. So for me, that was always real estate. So that was, um, just a matter of time. Um, 
you know, it was, I was just always wired for that. No. And I think that there, you know, I, I like the idea of you, you invest or in something you understand. In other words, don't go off, you know, as an example, while I understand cryptocurrency to a degree, I understand or I have several clients that work on it. I don't understand it from the sense that right now it doesn't seem to be used as a currency. It just seems to be a asset that people keep investing in, but I don't understand what is ever, what use is ever going to have. It's not like a company that makes something. It's not like, um, you know, something that's a currency that's traded. And so I, because I'm not saying that it may not be the best thing and it may not make a whole lot of sense for people that are investing in it, but because I don't understand it, I don't want to invest in it because I don't want to invest in something and understand. And I like the idea of, you know, the deals that you're going to invest in and things you're going to do, make sure you understand them. And that seems like it, it took you in a, a direction that was uh, beneficial. And so, so you save up and you say, okay, I'm going to, um, you know, start investing in real estate. And I, was that before or after you moved to North Carolina? Uh, that was before. So that was in New York. Um, like I said, that was in Long Island city, Queens, which is um, uh, an area that is really uh, developed in, in, in an explosive way since then. So like I said, I mean, I sort of got in at the right time um, when, when we were sort of still in the recession. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, you know, it, it turned out to be just wonderful timing. <laughs> so now so, you say, uh, get it, so you get into it and say, okay, I'm gonna, you start out in, in uh, doing it uh, near Queens. And then what uh, prompted the move to, to North Carolina? Um, well, it, it was personal and professional. Um, you know, I think it, it was just time for a change. Um, and, um, you know, I was looking to settle down and start a family. And, um, and also I knew that I had the entrepreneurial itch and that I wanted to do real estate and that, um, New York city was probably not going to be the easiest place to start that or, that or, or an expensive place to start for many reasons, for many reasons. Um, right. so I, I made the change. I, uh, you know, it's kind of a, kind of an interesting story. Um, you know, actually just got in the car and, and, and drove down to North Carolina and drove down to Charlotte and, um, and you know, was kind of got off the expressway and, you know, actually saw a house, uh, an open house that was for sale and, and toured the house. And, and um, you know, my wife and I kind of looked at each other and said, oh, this is, this is really, really quaint. You know, we could uh, see ourselves living here. And then fast forward, it was, you know, just a matter of months later, you know, I had gotten an offer um, for a law firm down here and uh, we moved down here and actually purchased a house down the, the street from that, that open house that we, we reviewed. Um, so it was, um, it all happened rather quickly, but uh, you know, I just, you know, feel like when you, when you put the, the energy behind it, um, you know, that it's not necessarily coincidental that, um, you know, there's momentum building up behind things, behind the scenes that you don't necessarily see. And then, and then it happens. Um, so that, yeah, it just kind of, it was very quick. Now you said, now you moved, you know, it was quick. You found the house. It all worked out. Those type of things, which all makes sense. Now, are you still, you mentioned the law firm as you moved down. So you're still working for law firms. Is that part of it? Or you moved completely into real estate investing and doing that as a firm or kind of how did you, as you moved down in, get settled in, kind of figure out what you're going to do? How did, where did you land up or kind of where are you at today? Yeah, so that's a that's an interesting story as well. So you know, I was when I came down here, I was really focused on on you know I had um, you know family and financial obligations and, and really focused on sort of building up a practice. Um, you know, even though I sort of uh, knew ultimately you know long term you know that I still wanted to do this entrepreneurial thing, I wanted to do real estate. Um, you know, went from a law firm, went to an accounting firm, and um, you know sort of never gave up on that, um, 
that thread, you know, and, and I'm a big sort of believer in, in the law of attraction and that, you know, if you really put energy into something and, and action, you know, to it, that um, sort of the universe will create opportunities for you, but you have to be looking for it. So literally one day I was walking down the street thinking about, you know, I was really kind of racking my head about what's my next investment going to be, you know, because I was just always, you know, what's the next thing? What's going to be my next investment? How am I going to make this happen? Right. Um, and um, I was literally thinking about that walking down the street and I saw one of my neighbors was building a, a pool house in their backyard and it was like a light bulb went on in my head and I had an epiphany and I was like, I've got a really big backyard. I bet I could build a house in my backyard just kind of, you know, without even thinking. And then I was like, uh, actually, you know, <laughs> I, I probably maybe could actually build a house in my backyard. So I went back and researched my deed, you know, being an attorney, I, I sort of knew how to do the legal research, uh, research the zoning laws. And I, and I actually found out that um, my house was sitting on sort of what used to be two lots, um, but it was straddling the lots. So uh, uh, on its face, it looked like that I'd have to demolish the house in order to sort of build anything. Um, you know, and I talked to a surveyor about it. I talked to a couple of uh, zoning attorneys about it, and they basically sort of laughed at me and said, you know, you can't do that. You know, you, you've got to demolish it um, and, and sort of, you know, I'm the type of person that if you, you sort of tell me what I can't do, then I'm, I'm going to kind of make it a point to, to do it. <laughs> so uh, I kind of rolled up my sleeves and said, well, you know, in my, in my day job, I'm pretty good at reading code. I'd call myself a professional code reader. Um, so, uh, you know, I rolled up my sleeves and, and learned the zoning law and um, learned about the, all the setback requirements, the volume requirements, the density requirements, all the zoning laws, you know, and basically figured out that there was a way that I could sort of reorient my lot and, and subdivide it in a way that I could create a buildable lot. Um, but there was one last hurdle that I had to clear. And um, there was a porch on the old house that was uh, basically in one of the setbacks. But there was an exception for one of the setbacks, um, but um, uh, there was a chimney inside of the porch that uh, basically was considered part of the house, not the porch, that didn't meet the exception. This is, this is just how deep I had to go into the zoning code. <laughs> um, I mean, there was one point where I was literally crawling around outside in the bushes, like taking measurements, like to do the survey myself, basically, because no surveyor would do it because I thought it was ridiculous. Um, that's how deep I went into the zoning code. Um, so basically, it came down to this one measurement that I, that I needed to clear in order to get the, the zoning approval. So I found a surveyor who's willing to do it. And he's like, you know, you got a lot of zoning problems. And I was like, I know, I know. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Let me take care of that. You just draw it up. So he, he drew it up. And, and um, you know, basically, I, I found out <clears throat> that the, the chimney, it ended up clearing the setback by it was literally a fraction of an inch, a fraction of an inch. So I took it to the zoning people and I said, congratulations, um, you know, you can, you can, you know, basically do this crazy project where you're building a house in your backyard. So that's what I did. Um, and from that point on, you know, it was, uh, that, that was, that, you know, the rest was sort of uh, the easy part, if you will. <laughs> uh, the hard part was, was getting all the approvals, approvals through the zoning. Um, so that was, that was a very interesting process. So kind of going through that is my very first, um, you know, and then by the way, I was doing this all while I was working, you know, a very demanding full-time job. I mean, I was working in, in public accounting for a big four firm, um, you know, uh, which is not a nine to five job. 
Um, so this this was you know what I was doing on, on in my spare time, uh, you know basically uh, late nights and and, and weekends. Um, so I, I did all this entire project from start to finish in less than two years. Um, so I, I kind of figured you know okay if I can do that you know part time um, you know let let's see what I can do when I put my talents and abilities to what I really want to do sort of full time. Um, and it was kind of like another one of those things where the universe was telling me something and everything came together at the same time. And, and so I finished building my house, my new house, uh, and moved into it and was, you know, getting ready to sell my old house. Um, and then COVID hit um, right when I was doing that. Um, so I had to sell my house during, you know, right, literally the first week when it was like in March of, I guess it was, what, what year did COVID come out? 2019, 2020? Um, uh, it seems like it's been around forever. I think yeah, it was uh, yeah. 2020, probably. 2020. We'll go so with 2020. Trying to move into my new house, list my old house for sale. When when there was this was like when there was a ban on like you couldn't like show your house. <laughs> um, and um, you know, I ended up ended up doing that. You know, selling my house. I took that that money and and paid off all my law school loans. And then uh, that same week, you know, ended up, you know, leaving my practice and, and, and jumping into this full time because I basically felt like, you know, um, you know, me sort of following my passion for what I wanted to do had put me in that position. And then I sort of felt uh, obligated that um, now the universe was sort of telling me that this was my opportunity, you know, to, to really go for it, to try it, to try. Um, so I, I just haven't looked back since. Haven't looked back since. Well, sounds like it was a, a great opportunity and it uh, worked out well. And it was uh, definitely kind of a, a lot of times when you jump in, dive in, get going, then you, you never want to look back because you enjoy it too much. And so it sounds like you certainly have the opportunity to uh, to find your passion. So that's a, a great journey and it kind of takes us a bit to where you're at today. So with that, it's a great, uh, great place to transition to the two, two questions I ask at the end of each podcast. Now, just as a quick heads up for the listeners, um, I do, uh, we are doing the bonus questions. Well, we'll talk about a little bit about uh, your, your intellectual property question. But before we go to the bonus question, the normal two questions I always end the podcast off are, um, first question is, along your journey, what was the worst business decision you ever made? What did you learn from it? The worst business decision I ever made? Um, you know, a part of me feels that, uh, you know, that there's no such thing as a mistake, that they're all learning opportunities, learning experiences. <laughs> Um, and everything that I've been through has sort of put me in the position that I'm, you know, that I'm in now. And, and you just sort of have to go through the growing pains. Okay. Well, um, then I'll reframe the question. What was the hardest learning experience that you had? Well, I, I was going to give you a mistake. And All I right. Then give me the mistake. I just didn't know if you were playing the attorney card. No, I'm, I'm getting to it. Um, All right. But um, so being somebody who is, is uh, you know, I'm not a mar sales or marketing guru. You know, and being an entrepreneur, sales and marketing is, is you know, fundamental to any business, right? I mean, I'm, I'm always looking for, for partners and investors and deals. Um, so, you know, I, I, I'm, not, I, I'm not trying to be any sort of social media um, wizard or anything like that, but, you know, sort of being a, a neophyte, if you will, to, to social media and, and building an online platform. You know, and I definitely spent a lot of money in that area. And one of the areas that, you know, I really knew very little to nothing about you know, was like um, SEO, search engine optimization. And to be honest, I, I, I spent quite a bit of money uh, to, to invest in doing a lot of SEO optimization. 
Um, and what, what I've learned is that it's really more of, a, of, a, of an art form than a science. <laughs> um but um you know those are the things that you learn when you try i guess but um some things you you know you, i guess as an entrepreneur you know if you've got some budget it's easy to sort of throw money at it and try to solve it um and, and you learn the hard way sometimes <laughs> no i think that you know an seo i i love seo on the one hand because it, you can you know you're not if once you get it there you're not having to pay for the traffic all the time it makes sense on the other hand it's as much of an art form takes a lot of time to figure it out if you yeah. figure it out and then it seems like about the time you figure it out they change the algorithm and you yeah. have access to it yeah. but i think that you know it's one of those where it is enticing and i think there's benefits to it but you also have to be careful because it can, it can be a black hole of money it can be a black hole exactly <laughs> Well, now or with that second question, I always ask along your journey, or, uh, you know, if you're talking now, I was going to, I was going to repeat this. The first question, I almost, I almost uh, did that. So second question is, is if you're talking to someone that's just getting into a startup or a small business, what'd be the one piece of advice you'd give them? Oh boy. That's a really good question. Um, Yeah, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm biased. I'm partial. I mean, I guess I would say, uh, you know, take the time to, to uh, sort of try to structure things correctly <laughs> um, from a sort of legal, financial, you know, tax standpoint. Um, you want to get your business set up correctly, intellectual property. Um, I, think, I think it's very important to get the right counseling and to get the right structure in place um, beneath you to have sort of the, the foundation to go forward. No, and I think that's a, it's a good takeaway. And a lot of times, you know, you get excited with the business, you want to get started on it, and you always want to dive into the fun or exciting parts. You want to get the logo, you want to get the business card, you want to get the, you know, the website up, which are all important. So don't get me wrong, everybody like, you know, it's always fun to get the logo business cards. I don't, I don't know if I love quite as much, um, but you know, on the website and other things, but I think getting a lot of that foundation in place before you dive in can make it a much better experience and can avoid a lot of the issues. So I think that's like a great takeaway. Well, before we dive to the bonus question, um, first of all, thank you for coming on the podcast. It's been a fun. It's been a pleasure. Now, for all of you that are listeners, if you have your own journey to tell and you'd like to uh, share your journey, feel free to go to inventiveguest.com. Glad to be on the show. A couple more things. Make sure to look, or click subscribe, share, and to leave us a review because we want to make sure that everyone finds out about all of our awesome episodes. And last but not least, if you ever need help with uh, patents, trademarks, or anything else with your business, just go to strategymeeting.com. Now I flipped it and I didn't, I almost, I, I've, I've been messing up on the end of the podcast today. So I'll have to repent sometime, but I didn't give you an opportunity. If people want to reach out to you, if they want to um, be an investor, they want to be a, a customer or client, maybe on the tax side, they still have some questions and they think that you're going to be awesome or they want to pick your brain. They want to be an employee. They want to be an investor. They want to be your next best friend, any or all of the above. What's the best way to reach out to you, contact you, find out more. My website, it's a www.newlevelinvestments.net. So yeah, right. go check it out. I, I try to I try to keep it updated with content. You know, like I said, I'm I'm not uh, a social media uh, <laughs> maven yet, but I definitely you know I try to try to update it with videos, content. Um, just you know, I always try to bring value to people. I always try to you know, even if they don't end up working with me, um, you know, I think you know what I do is very relationship driven. You know, so I'm very focused on building relationships. I view investors uh, like my clients you know I, i've always uh, in my practice i was very focused on building relationships it wasn't about the deal it's always about the relationship because if you have that trust 
then you know that when they have a legal issue, when they want to invest, you know who they're going to go back to. They're going to go, they're going to go, the people want to work with who they like, know, and trust. Um, so, you know, I'm not, I'm not about selling a deal. You know, if I'm almost happy to talk about, you know, real estate investing or any questions that people have, I'm, I'm always available and out there. Awesome. Well, I definitely encourage people to check out the website, reach out and uh, definitely make that connection. So with that, um, we will transition right now to the bonus question. So it's always kind of fun. We get to talk about your journey, talk about the mistakes you made, talk about the advice you have. And then we shift a bit of gears and talk a little about something that I'm certainly passionate about, which is on the intellectual property side. So with that, turn the bonus question over to you to ask, uh, what's your uh, top intellectual property question? Yeah, I've, I've actually had this question on my list for a while. Um, so, and you're, you're the right person to ask. It's um, right. how, how do I know uh, if or when that I should, you know, trademark my, my brand, my business, my logo, you know, what, what are the, some of the considerations that, that go into that? Um, I, you know, that's, um, that's yeah, it, and it's, it's a good question. A lot of your listeners. <laughs> no, I think it's a good question. It's one that comes up and people often have that. And is I don't know that there is a, hard line, bright line, you know, one size fits all kind of a rule, but the easiest way or the best way that I've found is the analogy is, you know, if you're building a business, if you're building a brand and it's reaching the point, it doesn't have to have reached the point. You do want to do it before it reaches a point, but you're saying, Hey, it's reaching the point where if I, it's going to have kind of an ouch factor. In other words, if you had to change your brand, if somebody came along and sent you a cease and desist letter, or you found out that you're infringing someone's brand, or somebody came along and copied your brand and you had to change it. In other words, and you said, Hey, if I had to go through that exercise, it's going to hurt. And, you know, it's going to put a lot of time, money and dollars behind it or marketing, or, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of brand and reputation. If you're getting to that point to where it has that intrinsic value to where it would hurt or it would have that ouch factor, then it's time to get that protected. But on the other hand, you're saying, Hey, you know, well, if I had to change it, yeah, it wouldn't be fun, but it wouldn't be that big of a deal. I just choose a new name, maybe get a newer URL and away I go. Then you probably haven't reached that point to where it has enough value that you're thinking of protecting it. So that's probably kind of the, the best kind of rule of thumb is if you're getting to a point that if you had to change it, it would have an ouch factor on your business and it would be, a, you know, and have an impact then you want to protect it because it has that value. If it doesn't have that value yet, doesn't mean you won't have it in the future, but you can hold off. Now, doesn't mean you can't do it earlier. If you want to do it earlier, earlier the better. And most things with legal, especially with intellectual property, early, you know, better is always, or better, earlier is always better than late. But if you're saying, hey, you know, if you're a lot of startups, a lot of businesses, you always have more, uh, more things to spend money on than money to spend. That's kind of the best rule of thumb that I've found. Okay, good, good practical advice. All right. Well, with that, appreciate the, the question. Always fun to talk a little bit about trademarks. Uh, we'll go ahead and wrap up this episode. So thank you again, Nick, for coming on the podcast. It's been a fun, it's been a pleasure and wish the Nick, wish you the next leg of your journey, even better than the last. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure.